Brothers and sisters in Christ, the text for today, from Luke chapter 6, verse 39, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Actually, I have a confession to make. That is not really the text for today. But with very limited opportunities for any preacher to preach on every scripture passage, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't help but at least address this section of Luke chapter 6, verse 39, which was included in our readings from Believe, but not part of our assigned readings nor part of the text that I have chosen. I couldn't help but wonder if, if I should be offended by Jesus' words Reminded me of this far side cartoon. If you can't see it very well, it's a, it's a picture of someone who's observing leader dogs in training. And they're going through various obstacles and so forth. And the man with the clipboard says, well, scratch number 24. But he was doing okay right up until the jet engine test. If you can't see it, the, uh, the leader dog apparently is leading the uh, person right up into a jet engine. Not a good sign for any leader dog. Having said that, like I said, I didn't know if I should be offended. Many of you know that I happen to be visually impaired, and although I don't usually use the word blind to describe myself, although from a legal perspective that definitely applies, where Jesus says, can a blind lead the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? I've often wondered if he just doesn't have much trust in in us visually impaired people. And in light of what uh, some of you may know, my wife and I are planning to do a year from now in terms of leading a trip, I thought maybe we should set the record straight that I I promise not to lead anyone into a pit. (laughs) Seriously, though, I am very thankful for the vision that I do have. And I know that if I were to study this text and to proclaim the word on it, it would end up being something about those who ultimately are spiritually blind compared to those who can see spiritually, who can see their Lord and Savior Jesus. And I thank the Lord that he has given us that gift of spiritual sight. But the real text for today, I'm going to ask you to read with me. This comes a little bit further Beginning with verse 43, Jesus said, and if you'd join me, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes plucked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the substance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So today, we get the privilege to talk about this. Fruit. So boys and girls, it's not too hard to tell what kind of a tree fruit came from. So, boys and girls, what kind of a tree did this come from? Can you tell from that distance? Maybe the color gives it away. Go ahead, say it. Fruit. 
What kind of a tree did this come from? An orange tree, that's right. Okay, here's a little quiz. Now you can look at the screens. You just tell me what kind of a tree, boys and girls, these came from. All right. Apples, you got it. Banana tree. And finally, grapes. It's technically not a tree, is it? It's more of a vine, but you got the right answer. Nice job. Nice job. Apples, bananas, uh, oranges here, and grapes. We can tell what kind of a tree by the fruit that it produces. One problem, though, with fruit, I got asked by a, a little boy on the way out of church last night. He said, was that fruit real? Was that orange real? I said, well, did it look real? He said, yeah. I said, well, it wasn't. It's fake. My daughter had to dig through our playthings in order to find a fake orange. And in fact, these pictures between the apples, bananas, and the pear, or grapes, one of them is real. The other two are fake. Any guesses? Maybe you can tell by the pictures. There's the apples, the bananas, the grapes. Just say, which one do you think is the real fruit according to the picture? Oh, a lot of you. How can you tell? You're right. The bananas were the real ones. You must have pretty good eyes or ways to figure that out. But we're going to talk about false fruit in a little bit. But the implication of what Jesus tells us today in our reading is actually our first blank in our outline. And that is Jesus' simple statement. You will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. It's as simple as that. You look at what fruit a tree produces and you can tell what kind of tree it is. Another way to say it is summarized this way. This was a note from our Lutheran study Bible. It says this, a person's words and deeds, not appearance, are the true mark of one's character. Now, whether we've known it in those words or not, or whether we use the word false fruit or types of fruit, we have all come to experience and understand that dynamic, haven't we? A person may say one thing, but if you really want to know what they're like, you look at what they do. They, how they speak and how they conduct themselves, and you find out what truly is important to them. Those of you who have been following in our Believe series know we're in the final stretch. The last 10 weeks of, of the book and our discussion of it And in this section in particular, we're talking about being, becoming like Jesus. And the characteristics that have been used have really, for the most part, represented the fruit of the Spirit. And today is no exception. Although two get combined in one today, this Readings that we had for today and our emphasis is on the fruit of the Spirit known as both kindness and goodness. So, 
You can tell someone by the fruit that they produce. But what about? What about false fruit? Jesus has quite a bit to say about that as well. The word that starts with an H, a little tricky to spell, but it's called hypocrisy, to be a hypocrite. And that can be defined like this, behavior, or in this context I will say fruit, that does not agree with what one claims to believe. You see, every one of us is capable of producing bad fruit. Oh, it may look good, but that's all it's good for. Appearance. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't nourish. It doesn't fill. It is only for show. How many times hasn't it been Christians who have been our own worst enemies in terms of our witness to those who do not know Jesus or who used to believe in Jesus or who no longer attend church because of all the hypocrites that come? Although we may be offended by their charges and say they've got it wrong, and maybe they do, yet how many of us aren't guilty of that hypocrisy at times, of bearing fruit that doesn't represent what we believe? We've heard the charges. We know it full well, especially those who may be parents. We all know what it means, whether we've said it or not, in so many words, we've conveyed to our kids, do as I say, not as I do. And how about those who would level the charge at Christians? They go to church on Sunday pretending they belong to the Lord, but throughout the week they live as if they belonged to someone else. Hypocrisy. False fruit. Jesus condemns these things in no uncertain terms. And so that brings us to the question, what are you? As we talk about kindness and especially goodness today, what are you? Are you a good tree? Or are you a bad tree? In fact, your tear-off attendance slip, the Believe card, has a place for you to even vote for yourself to check. Which is it? Jesus says, by their fruits, you will know them. What kind of fruit do you produce? What kind of tree are you? Maybe that's why it's not easy to hear Jesus' words. Because we certainly want to do our best, don't we? We certainly don't want to be a stumbling block for anyone else. We want to produce the good fruit, and, and at times we do. But what about the bad fruit? What about the sins? What about the mistakes? What about the missed opportunities? Think of what Jesus had to say in our reading from today that was proclaimed as the gospel. Love your enemies. 
Be kind to those who persecute you. Have you been doing that perfectly? What about when you borrow something, lend something, excuse me, to somebody? It says lend without any expectations of being paid back. Now that's a certain kind of generosity, isn't it? To do kind things to those who are mean to you, that goes against our nature. Bad fruit is what it seems we're bound to bear. Good tree, bad tree. Well, just as certainly as Jesus gives us the proclamation of the law of God that points out to us just how far short we have fallen of God's grace. And the analogy of the good fruit and bad fruit may, in fact, put it as clear as possible. At the same time, even within his own analogy, perhaps we might find the good news that we're looking for. Because if you think about it, what Jesus is talking about between a tree that can only produce either good fruit or bad fruit doesn't leave this concept that we're comfortable with to say, well, I'd like to think I'm a good fruit. Maybe I produce some bad fruit at times, but please, if I do enough good fruit, then maybe I'm not a bad tree and so on. That's not how it is in nature. A good tree produces good fruit. Or another way to say it, from a different perspective, says the fruit does not make the tree. The tree makes the fruit. You can tell what kind of tree it is by its fruit, but the fruit is not what determined what kind of tree it was. The tree was that already. The tree makes the fruit. Now, in case that doesn't make sense or it seems like we're splitting hairs or something like that, let's put this in another perspective, maybe more in the theological perspective, this time from the law side. It says this, I am a sinner not because I sin. Rather, I sin because I am a sinner. And that is the truth. The reason we sin is because we are sinners. It is not our sins that make us so. It's the tree that bears the fruit. And thus is our condition. We would have to conclude that we are, in fact, bad trees. But here's the amazing thing about the grace of God. He is into changing things. He is into recreating things. That's what his work by the power of the Holy Spirit is. The master gardener is the one who takes that bad tree and using a little different analogy, grafts it in to the true vine, to Christ. Thus making that quote, bad tree, a good tree. 
And this hopefully will help underscore the difference in how we motivate and why we do what we do. It says this, I am not a good tree because I bear good fruit. I bear good fruit because I am a good tree. And how do you know that you are a good tree? By faith in Jesus Christ. That's our motivation for bearing the good fruit. Not so that we work harder at it and say, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, it's because in Christ you have been made a good tree. You have been saved. You have been redeemed. You have been sanctified. You have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have been grafted into Christ the vine. And now, as Jesus has promised, a man who remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. It's the way of nature. Do you see the promise that is here? That we learn from nature. You have been made a good tree in Christ, and so now you will bear good fruit. But what about the bad fruit? What about this and that? Do you not hear God's promise? You in Christ have been made. You have been made to be His. You are, in fact, by virtue of baptism and faith, a good tree. You will bear good fruit. That's the only way that we can have the power and the motivation to do so. For those of you who may follow Pastor Ken Klaus, former speaker of the Lutheran Hour's daily devotions, I enjoy reading those or actually listening to those on a, on a daily basis. If you've been following those, you've, you're familiar with this illustration he used from a week or two ago, but I think it bears repeating. He referenced the fact that back in 1957, there was a group of, of Buddhist monks living in Thailand on their compound, their complex, their monastery, who were told by the Thai government that they had to move because they had to put in a highway. So the, the, the monks were agreeable enough, but the biggest challenge they faced was that in the middle of their property, they had a huge statue, a clay statue of Buddha. And that, of course, they felt needed to be moved with the greatest of care. And so a huge crane came in and they strapped up the chains and straps and whatever they used and they started to lift this huge statue. And it didn't get too far when all of a sudden the monks heard a crack. Fearing the worst, they had the crane set it back down. They looked under the protective tarp and coating with a flashlight and there they noticed something with the light of the flashlight, they noticed something gleaming or shining. So they took off the covering and they went to explore and they chipped away some more of the clay that was there and before long they noticed that, that this Buddha had a gold toe. But it didn't stop there. The more they chipped away, the more they discovered that the entire statue was solid gold. It was far more valuable than they thought. It had been coated with clay, they presume, when an invading army was about to take over 
And they figured out that probably what those monks did was they coated it in clay to cover up the value of it. But those monks were killed, and so the secret of the gold statue was hidden until hundreds of years later. My friends in Christ, we know that Buddha is nothing but an idol. We know that a Buddha statue is nothing but a false god and pray for such people who would in fact put their faith and trust in such an idol or false god. But having said that, there is a powerful message that we can learn even from this illustration that because of our faith in Jesus Christ, you and I have been recreated on the inside. Jesus says, out of the heart does a man produce his fruit. Because of faith in Jesus, you have been made new in Christ. You have been, if you will, turned solid gold. Your heart in Christ is, in fact, pure gold. And now we will bear fruit as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. It's not a have to. It's a want to. It's not a forced way of life. It's nature itself. And now, don't cover up your goodness in Christ, but let it shine. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.